morning. God's is stuck with me again today. Amen. So just hang in there. Tighten your seatbelts. Amen. Now, um, in the first service, I delegated one, one guy in the front, it probably have to be you, sir, okay, to say amen every now and again, all right? I need to have some feedback. Give me an amen. amen. Praise God. Okay. Um, we spoke, I'm going to uh, endeavor to carry on uh, today and I'm, I'm going to try my hardest to behave myself today, amen? Um, any, any folk out there into intercession, you begin to pray for me now, amen, that I'll keep time and uh, behave. All right, but um, let's just do a quick recap. We know from uh, Ephesians 5, Paul speaking to us and he said, um, wives, love your husbands even as Christ loved the church. And husbands, love your wives, sorry, as a church, okay? Now husbands, you are there to represent Christ and you are to uh, treat your your wife and relate to your wife even as Christ relates to the church, okay? Then we went to the book of beginnings into Genesis and we saw from Genesis that that was God's plan from the beginning. <coughs> Marriage wasn't just a, an afterthought, that was God's plan in creation, folks, on J6. After he had created everything, he said, now I want my image in the earth. What did he do? He gave us, he created a man and a wife. I mean, a, a man and a woman, a male and female. And they became the first husband and wife. He said, that's my image. So this marriage, this marriage thing is extremely, extremely important that we mirror Christ and the church in our homes. But many marriages, and this is where I want to go, I'm going to be, Holy Ghost help me this morning, I'm going to be meddling a little bit, okay, But it's important. Marriages sometimes produce a distorted image of what God intended. And in uh, Paul refers to it in Ephesians 5:26 from our text as spots and wrinkles. In 5.27, it tells us that Christ our Lord might present to himself the church 
his bride without in all her glory having no spot, having no spot and no wrinkle. So what we'll endeavor to do, and we'll never ever arrive at this thing, okay, in the short time that we have, and even with me with a gift of continuation, got to cut it off. Amen? Yes. Now I'm going to be so kind to everybody else that comes up here when they're supposed to come up. But he said there are spots and wrinkles. He wants a bride with no spot and no wrinkle. And it's the spots and the wrinkles in our marriage that distort the image. So let's get into this. Um, let's go to Matthew chapter 19. Now I hope you all bring your Bibles. You've got to bring your Bible to church at least. Amen? You've got to have your Bible, man. Matthew 19, chapter, three, uh, uh, chapter 19, verse 3, it says, Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife and it says, for any reason at all? Is there any reason they've come to Jesus? I wonder if they were looking for a way out. I don't know. But they say to Jesus, is there any reason that a man can divorce his wife? Remember what the image should be. Marriage is what? It's mirroring Christ and the church. And he says, is there any reason we can break this thing? What they were saying, what Jesus heard is, is there anything that, I can, that we can do to distort and break this image that you have given us? Look at the Lord's answer. Look there in verse 4. He said, and he answered and said, are you crazy? No, he didn't say that. He says, have you not read? And the problem that we have in our lives as Christians is because we do not read. Come on. Do this to someone say he's talking to you. We don't read, folks. Every answer you want to know about this life is here in the book. And yeah, the religious leaders of the day, and they come and ask him this question, and his first response is. Don't you read the word? Don't you know that the answer is here? He said, have you not read that he created them from the beginning? He said, this is from the very start. 
that he made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother, his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Now, let me just stop there quickly because I want to hit the first spot and wrinkle. Leave his father and his mother, but that goes for both. That goes for husbands and wives. And the first spot and wrinkle that I want to mention is that parents shouldn't be meddling in, in their daughter's or their, husband or their son's marriage. Now, let me tell you about the first service. You guys, let me tell you, you guys excite me because you respond a whole lot better than the first service, okay? And the first service, but when I said mothers and fathers shouldn't be meddling in, in marriages, I got an amen from the whole congregation, yeah? Woo, we came alive. Amen? But listen, there's nothing wrong with parents encouraging their daughters or their, or their sons in a marriage, but don't go trying to be Holy Ghost, okay? There's only one Holy Ghost. He's our comforter. He's the paraclete, he's the one who comes alongside, he leads and he guides, he shows us things to come. And mother and daddy, you're not Holy Ghost. Amen. So leave the marriage, leave the, the counseling of the marriage or what you think is wrong or whatever, leave that to the Lord, okay? You can be praying for them. You can be praying and, and lifting them up before the Lord. But don't meddle. Spot and wrinkle. And as lovingly as you can, you've got to go say, Dad, love you. But you can't mess with my marriage. Mom, I love you, but you can't mess with my marriage. Leave that to the Lord. Pray for us. But don't be Holy Ghost. Say, okay? All right, so he goes on. And they said... Um, Number six, verse six, so they are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And they said to him, why then, why did Moses get command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said, because of the hardness of your heart. Because of the hardness of your heart. Another spot, another wrinkle. Hardness of heart. 
hardness of heart. Now, why? Why did the Lord say this? He said, from the beginning, it wasn't that way. He said, man, if you go that route you, you're talking about now, you're going to distort the image. You're going to mess the image up. Hardness of heart is a heart that does not want to submit to the word of God. Folks, listen. This is final authority. Hello? You born again? Bow the knee, confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Guess what? You're dead. You've been crucified with him. It's no longer you that live, but Christ that lives in you. And the life you now live, you've got to live for him. You've been bought with a price. You don't belong to yourself anymore. Come on. This is final authority. Your part is to find out what it says and do it. Now, you could give me an amen. All right. Hardness of heart. Hardness of heart is having an unteachable spirit. Might just be in one little area, but you've got to submit to the whole word. You know, I've come across, I've come across two types of Christian. There's Christians of preference, and then there's Christians of conviction. The Christian of preference says, I'm going to do this, but not that. I believe this, but I don't believe that. But the Christian of conviction reads the word and says, so be it. Now, I know there's no Christians of preference here this morning. Amen. Right, let's move on. Go to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi, the book of Malachi chapter 2. Yeah, we find out in Malachi chapter 2, God's not pleased with these folk. He's not accepting their offering. He's not accepting their worship. And we pick it up in verse, well, let me read 13. I was going to go to 14, but let's leave 13. He says, this is another thing you do. You cover the altar with tears, with weeping, with groanings, because he, the Lord, no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. What a terrible situation. What an absolute terrible situation to be in that you come and you worship and you, and you offer and, you, and you're endeavoring to press into God and God said, whoa, I don't accept it. God forbid that any of us be in that position. I want God to receive my worship. 
I want God to receive my offering. I truly, truly want God to say, come thy good and thy faithful servant. Verse 14, he says, yet you say, for what reason? Maybe you're in a situation where, I mean, you're doing all those things. You're offering, you're praising, you're trying to press in. But you feel like, hey, man, I'm just, I'm just churning mud here. What's the reason, Lord? You say, for what reason? Verse 40 says, because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously. Though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. He said, you made a covenant with this woman. You spoke vows, better, worse, Richer, poorer, sickness and health. And guess what else we said? Till death do us part. And the Lord said, man, don't you know I was a witness? Don't you know that I was there when you were, joined, when you were doing what I, I intended for you to be? I witnessed it. And then you go and deal treacherously with her. What is that word treacherous? Let me tell you. It's being guilty. It's being guilty of or involving violation of faith or a betrayal of trust. Not to be relied on. Deceptive. Deceptive. I mean, this, this might sound hard, folks, but listen. We're trying to deal with the spots and the wrinkles, amen? We're trying to get this image right. And these are the things that the enemy uh, uh, brings in. If we open the door to him, he brings in and just wants to distort the picture. Wants to, wants to mess up that mirror. Number one target for the enemy in the Christian's life is if you're married, he's after your marriage, man. He wants to distort it. He, he just wants, he wants chaos there and shouting and kicking and gouging and, and that's not Christ and the church. Come on, that's not Christ and the church. Now, I know, he, I, know, I know he's not talking to you this morning. Amen? But man, I tell you what, after all these years, he's still talking to me about these things. There's, there's sometimes, even in my own home, I want to get sackcloth and ashes, man. <laughs> Why? It's not about me anymore. It's about him. 
Can your wife depend on you? Can your husband depend on you? If you're going to say you're going to do something, go do it, man. Let me tell you maybe a funny little story, but it's, it kind of fits in here. Way back, way back when I was still in Africa, I had a friend who was a qualified electrician. And uh, his wife came to him one day and said, um, Sweetheart, can you, can you have a look at my bedside lamp? He said, it's not working. He said, yeah, sure. That carried on and on and on for a couple of weeks. In fact, I think it went on for close on a month. I said, when are you going to do my lamp? When are you going to look at my lamp? So one day he got home from work, and she said, you know, greeted him like she always did, and handed him a bill. She'd called the electrician in, and he came to have a look at her bedside lamp, one of the little wires had come out, and the guy just screwdriver and he tightened that wire in there. Charged her for an hour's labor, minimum charge. Charged her for travel and then a call out call. It was a fat big bill. And she gave him the bill. He said, what's this for? He said, oh, I've got an electrician to look at my lamp. man, I could have done that. She said, why didn't you? I asked you. And you kept putting it off and kept putting it off and kept putting it off. Can your wife depend on you? I know that's just a little thing. But there's bigger things, folks, that you come to agreement in. Spots and wrinkles. Okay, let's go back to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. One Peter, verse one, it says, in the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands. Now we did kind of cover Last week, if you were here, we covered submission. Let me just say this. Submission is throughout the word. But we kind of focus here, but let me tell you, without submission, without having a submissive spirit in the kingdom, you won't grow. You won't grow unless you learn to submit biblically, how God requires it. So we've got to learn, submission is just part of the kingdom. And God so chose in his order, God is a God of order, that wives will be submissive to their own husbands. I just take it for granted that the husband is Christ-like. Much easier to submit to someone if they cross like. Okay, but let's go on. 
It says so that even if of them, even if any of them are disobedient to word, they may be one without a word, without a word. Amen. Now, an unruly tongue. An unruly tongue in marriage is a spot and wrinkle. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This is what I'm going to say now. Your marriage will not be better than your mouth. Hello. You know everything James says about this little member here. We haven't got time to talk about that. He says it's an unruly evil. He says with it we bless and we curse. How can you have that in a I mean, even as a Christian, how can you have a tongue that blesses and curses? Every good marriage is filled with good words and every bad marriage is filled with bad words. What are the words like in your home? Amen. See, I'm, I'm allowed to mess a little bit up here because I'm out of here after this. Of this. I'm out of here. Amen. And you all got Brandon's number, okay? Now I know he'll be on to me. But folks, we've got to talk about this stuff. You can't just... Don't rattle the cage. You'll upset someone. That's exactly what the enemy wants. He doesn't want us messing. He just wants you to come to church, sing a few songs, listen to a message, and go home and no change. He don't mind if you do that all your life. But when you decide, I'm going to be a Christian of conviction, I'm going to press into the things of God, I'm going to endeavor to be the best person God wants me to be, and that's, that's a, something like a, a, a covenant that Connie and I made, my wife, I said to her, I'm going to be the best person, the best husband you could have. She said, okay, I'm going to be the best wife you could have. I'm going to work on my life, you work on your life, and don't let's try and change each other. Let God do it. Man, that wisdom didn't come from Butch McKenzie. That came from the Lord, man. So I'm, I'm, I can't have self. Folks, self is a problem, man. You've got to die to self. Live to Christ. I heard, I heard one man say to me one day, he said, you know, there's too many eye specialists in the kingdom. Eye specialists? You know, everything's I, I. I did this and I done that and I did this and I did that. 
That's an eye specialist. What's Christ doing? Could you give me amen? Okay. So, let's go to verse, uh, let's go to verse 7. It says, your husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way. That's an instruction. Butch McKenzie's not telling you to do that. The Word of God is saying you need to live with your wife. I know it's difficult sometimes, but you have to live with your wife in an understanding way. You know what that means? When you start to look into the Greek, this is what it means, that you, as the priest in the home, understand your wife's role in Christ in the kingdom. You come to a place of understanding. Husbands, you are the priest in the home. You should be endeavoring in love and with cooperation from your wife, you should be leading them spiritually also in the home. Taking up your rightful place, not abdicating it. but in an understanding way that you know exactly what her role should be and you endeavor to help her in love to God and to enhance that image that she is called to, to serve. Then he goes on to say, in an understanding, as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor, show her honor as a fellow heir of grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. What's the sense in praying if they're going to be hindered? What's the sense of you praying and praying and praying and praying and God's not receiving? That your prayers not be hindered. That word honor is to value, put value to it, to esteem. It speaks, literally speaking, how do you treat her? Do you put value on it? Okay. The absence. The absence of honor from a husband to a wife, the absence of honor is the presence of a spot, spot and wrinkle. That's good. Give me an amen. I didn't even have to ask him. Praise God. I love you, brother. Spot and wrinkle. Yeah. There's one more, there's another thing I want to speak about that's a spot and wrinkle. That's anger. Now don't, don't respond to me, okay? But I wonder how many folk are sitting here today, there's anger in your home. 
and unrighteous anger where you just break out. You have these outbursts. Shouldn't be that way. It's a spot and a wrinkle. Okay, let's go. Let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter four. While you're turning there, you know that God gets angry. You say, oh, but God gets angry, brother. Yeah, you're right. He does get angry, but guess what? His anger is always towards unrighteousness. Okay? Always directed to unrighteousness and sin. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. I'm in Thessalonians 4. Okay, verse... Um, Verse 26 says, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And 27, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Now, folks, it's not a sin. According to the word, it's not a sin to be angry or to get angry at injustice or sin or unrighteousness. But most of the anger that I've had in my life while I was endeavoring, I was endeavoring to conquer it, okay, was motivated from self. Most of the anger came because I didn't get, to get what I wanted. Most of my anger came in the home because I didn't get what I wanted. It wasn't done the way I said or whatever. It was always about me, and that is a spot and a wrinkle. Can't be like that. Aren't you glad that I'm done after this Sunday? Man, I could have got a bunch of amens then. All right? Now, but when we cross the line, when we cross this line from a righteous anger, having no fruit of self-control, God gave us the fruit of self-control. Listen, all those fruits... All those fruits of the Spirit, I am fully persuaded that every born-again Christian has those fruits, but they need to be cultivated and worked on. If you have the Spirit of God, which you should have if you're born again, then you've got the fruits, because they're the fruits of the Spirit. But we don't spend time cultivating Okay? Anger shouldn't control you. You should control anger. That's how it is in the Christian home. Amen? Amen. Folks, I've learned that I can be angry without shouting, 
and kicking and gouging and slamming the door and kicking the dog and doing all this stuff and stomping things down. Just, I hope you get the message. Don't mess with me right now. I didn't get my way. And I'm determined to have my way. That's a spot. That's a wrinkle. And that's not the image. Christ doesn't do that with the church, man. <laughs> Come on, you could have all said amen then. Christ doesn't do that with the church. We're to mirror. Remember I told you, you only got one, one chance at this because in, in uh, Matthew 22, no more marriage. It says no more marriage. Once you leave this earth, that's it. You had your chance to mirror Christ and the church. Now comes a time when daddy's going to talk to you. Oh, man. When I think of that, I think in fear and trembling. Sometimes we think we've got it all together. But then the Holy Ghost shows, no, you haven't. You haven't arrived. By the way, you never arrive. You just keep working and working and working, 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 and being conformed to the image of his dear son. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, don't, don't go. The word says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, when you're angry and you've, you've, cause chaos in the home and everything. Don't go to bed and sleep on it. You know, when I looked at that, this, just these oh, last couple of days, the Lord said, you incubate in sin. You're going to bed and you've just violated my word. And you're doing nothing about it. You're going to go to sleep. Let me tell you what. If you keep doing that, you're gonna build a stronghold. You're gonna build a stronghold. You know, we do have to deal with strongholds. We've been given weapons by the Lord to pull them down. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of what? Strongholds, strongholds are thoughts, they the material, that's the lumber and the bricks and the cement and the nails and the screws that go to build this fortress in your mind and give you a way of, a set of way of thinking. It's a mindset that's opposed to God. Now listen to me. I want to help you this morning. You let that, you let that uh, stronghold grow and you reinforce it and you nourish it and nurse it and, and, and make it your own.
tighten your seatbelt. You'll have demons start to interfere with your life. That's why he's given us the sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit, we know, is the Word of God. But listen, the Word of God here is not the sword of the Spirit. The, word, the sword of the Spirit is when you put the Word of God in your heart and you speak it out your mouth. That becomes the sword. And you start to deal with situations by speaking out, speaking the Word of God. That's all Jesus done in the, in the wilderness, in the temptation. He said, it's written. Don't mess with this stuff, folks. Okay? In closing, just, just go with me to the book of James quickly. The book of James... James chapter 1, verse 19, says this, You know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You say, but brother, I am righteous. I am righteous. Christ made me and gave me his righteousness. Yeah, but we are called to produce works of righteousness. We are called as righteous before the Lord, but it's not our righteousness, it's his righteousness, we are called to walk in that righteousness and produce the very works that Christ produced, the attitude and the behavior and everything else that he produced, works of righteousness. You have a responsibility before God to bring forth works of righteousness. Amen. Amen. Works of righteousness. Now, the presence of wrath. The presence of wrath. I'm going to close with this. The presence of wrath is the absence of righteousness. In that moment, You are not releasing life from your mouth. You're releasing death. What's the answer? So how can I deal with this? The answer is in verse 22. But prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Prove to be a doer of the word. Can you stand? Can you stand with me? Thank you for being patient and allowing me, me to share with you this morning. We've got some announcements. 
when I'm done. I just want to speak a blessing over you. If you want to raise your hands, just raise your hands as I speak this blessing over you. I, I mean it with all my heart. I want God to bless you guys. I want you to have the best marriages that you can have, that you would grow in Christ. But Lord, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that has gone forth. I pray that we would be doers of your word, Lord, and not just hearers. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you.